Welcome, everybody, to Behind the Geeks. I am here with Richard Tubbs, Scott Riley, and Pete Matheson for another week of babbling on about all things MSP. And in this week's show slash episode, we decided to talk about content marketing and whether content marketing is a viable approach for you to use in your MSP to attract new clients and to nurture prospects into your world. And so we were talking a little bit off air when I said, I'll leave it up to you guys to all talk because I don't really do a lot of content marketing. I know Pete does with his crazy, awesome YouTube channels and Richard, you do with 4 million blog posts and, and whatnot. No, and I don't really do much content marketing. And then Pete said, I disagree. You do. And then when I thought about oh, it, I actually yeah. do. So, he um, absolutely uh, does, doesn't he, guys? Like Nigel. more so than any of us. Yeah, we'll get into this, but one of the fundamentals, I think, of content marketing and is putting your personality behind things. And like everybody knows Nigel Moore, you know, you put stuff up about what happens behind the scenes. So you, you absolutely do content marketing. I think actually, I with, with the things you're doing, Nigel, is that because I had it a lot to begin with, with almost with, with my MSP, is that you're not, you don't think you're doing content marketing, you just like having fun. Doing stuff you enjoy, yeah, yeah. like the, the content, <laughs> exactly. putting the content out, like doing the the the, the yeah, um, yeah. presentation. You went to do some public speaking, like that was good. That was like challenging. You really enjoyed it. That was still content marketing, but you didn't That's go out. Let's go. Yeah. I'm going to do some content marketing. Let's do that. You just Let's went out blog. to like do the things you want to do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Like, like, and that's probably the good point there is that that when when I first thought about content marketing, I just went straight to blogging because that's what most people think is traditional content marketing. It's just going out and blogging for SEO juice and blog subscribers and that's it but um but the whole content world is just this vastly deep and wide world that incorporates the things that all of us do out there and and now that the more i think about it the more i realize that content marketing has been an incredible marketing arm for the tech tribe nearly non-intentionally out there it's just as pete said it's just things that we do and and we just we we at this podcast like it's not in the goal is not to get new tech tribe members for me like it was more as an outlet to, to chat and babble on about msp stuff but the reality is it is content marketing and we might get a tech tribe member out of it one day down the track we'll see um but then there's some let's dive into a couple of the different things and i guess richard you've been in the content marketing game forever and a day you were probably <laughs> in the content marketing before content marketing existed yeah. uh because you, yeah. you and your blog kicked off back as one of the first like that was like when blogging first kicked off and got it became super common that was the kind of the first foray into this modern day content marketing world that we all live in how yeah. how has that been for you over the years? You've kind of gone from nothing to being this, or not nothing, that's probably the worst way to say it, but not known <laughs> to being a globally known person in our industry, um, a globally sure. known person in our industry that's that's been built directly off the back of blogging and your podcast out there and also the books as well tied into it. Yeah. So, so there's two parts of this. The first, we'll get in a minute to how content marketing in its breadth can help manage service providers because everybody watching today is an MSP. But I just want to share a little bit of my story because it hopefully give an indication. So uh, Nigel and I probably would have met anyway down the line, Nigel. But I don't know if you remember when you first reached out to me, it was because you'd read my blogs, books and things like that. And you were very complimentary, got in touch. And that's how we ended up working together at the at the Tech Tribe. So there's one thing that wouldn't have happened without sort of content marketing there. But the, the second thing if I go back way back in the day when I started blogging, we're talking sort of maybe 20 years ago, at least 15, uh, so thousands of blog posts on. Um, I basically just shared it as a journal. So it wasn't content marketing. I didn't do it because I was like, right, I'm going to attract clients for my MSP business. But I did it because I was sharing what worked within the business, what didn't work within the business. But importantly, if a client asked a question, I would write a blog post about it. 
And it reached this ridiculous stage years later when I had engineers within the business where myself and the other engineers would do a search for a problem and my blog would come up to answer it. So it became like a knowledge base. So the reason I throw all of those things out there is, A, it connects you with people in ways that you cannot um, cannot begin to understand or, or begin to appreciate until it happens. And secondly, there is no downside to doing content marketing because it puts you out there as an authority. It allows you to share who you are, your worldview, uh, and it attracts like-minded people to you. But again, no downside to it because at the very least, it is just a knowledge base or a journal of your journey. Now, that's just blogging. Nowadays, of course, we've got Pete, we've got Scott doing videos, awesome stuff. It's it's not dissimilar. They're just sharing you know, their knowledge, they're sharing their journey and attracted like-minded people as a result of it. So we'll get on to how content marketing can help MSPs, but I wanted to get that almost um, esoteric, that ethereal part of content marketing out of the way first, because I've been doing it for like 20 years before it was called content marketing. And here we are today. You're all stuck with me as a result of Nigel reaching my, reaching my blogs. Did, did Richard, you actually, I'd like to ask actually how that's changed over the years, because you do have a, an ungodly amount of content on the website. Like every topic we discuss, there's always like you're, you're throwing links in there because you've got something that's already written. So uh, over the years, like how have you developed that? Do you just kind of put out a lot of brief content in blog posts and then kind of wait to see which ones resonate with like look at your analytics and then put more effort into those ones? Or do you just go, I'm going to write a blog blog post about that because you know, it's a topic that, that resonates or is, is missing or like, how, how does that kind of process work? Yeah. So I'd love to say after 20 years, Pete, that I look at the analytics, I see what works, see what doesn't. And like, no, I'm not that clever enough to do that. I write about stuff that is important to me and uh, that stuff that people ask me about. And that's it. You know, so if I was to get really, really good at this sort of stuff, yeah, I would look at what's working and what isn't. and put it out. But to be honest, as I said, you know, over the years, Nigel and I met because of the blogs, the books and stuff like that. Over the years, I have had people come to me to talk about blog posts that I forgot and I wrote that are so narrow that perhaps it only affected that one person or answered a question for that one person. But it ended up with these innumerable relationships that I you know, have just paid off again and again and again. If that sounds a little bit woo-woo, Pete, it's not meant to. It's just, yeah, I wish I had a plan to it, but I write about what's important to me. And, and in terms of like the blog post you have written, I mean, much like, you know, if you have video marketing or podcasts or something, you get this top level kind of bit of content you can then divide up into other things. It can become other kind of media. Does yeah. that, is that possible with blog posts? Does it become like social media posts or anything like that? Yeah, so, so something we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the influences that have been not just on me, Scott, and everyone else, Marcus Sheridan and others. One of the things I learned, though, was uh, concepts I call content loops. So you can grab any one piece of content. So if you start, like for me, I'm a writer, so I start out blogging about it, but then I might record a video about the blog post and I might do a podcast about the video, about the blog post and social media and there's content upgrades that we talk about, the team and I talk about now. So we might grab a block. Well, here's a great example. We've just finished on Tub Talk on my podcast. We've just done a season of uh, amazing women in tech. Brilliant interviews with you know some of the most amazing women in our industry uh, talking about their experiences. And so we've just finished a season of, say, eight, 10 uh, episodes. Brilliant content in there. So Gudrun on my team is actually grabbing that content now. Uh, to produce a roundup podcast, first of all, so you can listen to one episode and it's going to have snippets from all the episodes. But secondly, we're going to be producing an ebook where, you know, a couple of three pages on each of the guests, sound bites and stuff like that. So 
once you produce one piece of content, and I don't, it doesn't matter whether you start a video, whether you're a writer, whether you're an audio person, really doesn't matter. You can use these content loops and just create loads and loads of different types of content. The, the reason being, because I'm into writing doesn't mean everybody likes reading. Because you're into video, Pete, doesn't mean everybody likes watching. Every bit, you've got to put the content out in formats that people want to consume. So some people like to listen, some people like to read, some people like to view. If you can hit all of those marks with your best content, so much the better. I think What's, that's a really important um, thing to talk about is the, is the, you mentioned there, like some people like the video, some people like audio, some people like blog, uh, podcasts and, and blogs and those kind of things. The, the way I've always thought about this is that you have your messaging, which is whatever you're talking about, whatever message you want to deliver, but trying to get it out in all the different media formats because it not everyone will, you know, if you've got your blog post, not everyone will read the website that you've got. Not everyone will watch your videos. So I love the idea that you do have the the audio version, the video version, the written version, maybe even a physical posted version, because you just yeah. don't know which one your clients or prospects are actually going to you know, pick up and read or listen or watch or whatever it's going to be. So if you can have yeah. a method of, and it doesn't mean you need to focus on, on each one individually and go like, I'm going to really, really, you know, I, I'm going to have a podcast, so I'm going to really focus on the podcast. My, my version of blog posts at the moment is horrendous compared to yours. My blog post is, I've made a YouTube video. I have my VA copies my script into a podcast into a blog post sorry and then i'm really lazy so i do look at the analytics so i have the monthly google analytics webmaster report come through cool. and it'll be like the top five you know posts on your website so i go okay we'll take those top five and just spend a little bit more time like tweaking them making them look better put some images and what have you and if it's still top five next month then do some more work to it and just keep tweaking them and so i'm only nice. really focusing on those top five blog posts because i'm i'm lazy on that because i'm focusing on <laughs> The video for my side of things that's my like kind of focus so you don't have to be amazing at all of the methods just i i love having the methods that, you know the deliverables there in one format or another yeah and it's worth saying we've gone immediately from like beginning on content marketing for some people who've been watching straight to super advanced which is pete and i have both mentioned hey we get somebody on our team to do it now i know everybody watching is not going to have a team to do this but we've done previous episodes of the show where we've talked about virtual assistants about outsourcing you know there are world-class people out there who will work for you in the gig economy will do work for you so if you've got a video as Pete said you can have it transcribed if you know if you're writing a blog post you can have it turned somebody could read it into an audio format for you but people out there so don't think you have to do all of this on your own because you've got this little thing like an IT company to run haven't you so you're thinking, I'm never going to be able to do all these things and run an IT company. You don't do it alone. So I think it's important to to say that link between content marketing and VAs is very strong, I think. And then I'd the, just like to set the stage just uh, why, you um, you know, why do this at all? Because, you know, the whole point of, of content marketing is, you know, ideally for us as MSP owners to reach new customers and reach new people. And if you look back, I mean, I, I look back to, I mean, Richard, you and I went to the Content Marketing Academy uh, up in Edinburgh many years ago where we first met Marcus Sheridan. Before he was famous, I'd like to say, and before he'd written the books. And, and the whole thing that he discovered. So if, if you don't know Marcus Sheridan's story, really simply, he installed swimming pools over in the US. And the whole idea of installing a swimming pool is that it's very complicated. And there's an awful lot of, it depends. Well, how much is a swimming pool, Marcus? Well, it depends. Well, how big do you want it? Where is the land? You know, what kind of access do we have? What about plumbing and resources? Everything is, de it depends. And what he quickly discovered was in his market space, everybody says it depends. So there was no way for a customer uh, in any way to get a, a, even a sense 
of how much it costs to get a swimming pool installed in their backyard. Is it $10,000, $100,000, half a million dollars? I, I genuinely have no scale of how much these things cost. And so what he chose to do was just go, let me make it as transparent as I can do. Let me put out as much information as I can about swimming. And so he just started making content. Here are the different land types that you might have. Here's where we might need to get diggers in. Here's how the different piping works. Here's the different tiling that you might get. Here's the different sizes. And he just started putting out tons and tons and tons of content. And he was a very early adopter of HubSpot. I'm sure we all know HubSpot and content marketing platforms like that. But he was an early adopter of that. And so he was monitoring the analytics. And he would see some people would read hundreds of pages of his content and then get in touch to actually buy something. Now, back in 2012, Google called this the zero moment of truth. And the zero moment of truth is essentially when your customer goes out and does their research, they research what product they want to buy, what service they want to buy, who they want to buy it for, how much they want to pay for it, how much they expect to pay for it. And then they phone you up and say, hey, I'd like to buy that service that you've got. And you haven't even spoken to them before because you've given so much content, you've put so much content out there that they're able to make an assessment. Do I know you? Do I like you? Do I trust you? To use one of Richard Tubbs' favorite, no like and trusts. That's the whole point of content marketing. And that's why, you know, Pete and I are very bullish on video because we like to put ourselves out there and go, hey, this is us. This, this is our personality. This is what we look like. This is what we sound like. If you can gel with us or you think you can gel with us, hey, we're going to get on great. And so maybe we can do business together. But in, for other people, like we said, it's blog posts or it's be, you know, being really candid about pricing. I'm sure we'll talk about putting pricing on your website. But ultimately, that whole thing and, and the big takeaway that I took away from, from Marcus was like he does swimming pools. It, it couldn't be further away from IT if you tried. I wouldn't like to see any IT set up in a swimming pool. But it, it gave me that whole thing of whenever we say to a customer, it depends we've really kind of, you know, put a barrier up between in the trust. The more open that we can be, the more candid that we be, the more we can give away our information, the more transparency we can add through content marketing. That's where it really wins. And I'll give you a real personal example from me when I had to give away my lovely, lovely Mercedes because we had children and it wasn't suitable to have children in the Mercedes. Anyway, when that car had to go, I had to go and buy a family wagon, right? And so I did research across all the different family wagons. I'm reading What Car, Top Gear, many other different websites. Then I'm going on the manufacturer websites and I'm reading through every single car that I want to buy. I'm looking at the pricing. I'm looking at whether it has the car seat adapters that I want. I'm looking at all the features, the financing options that are available. And I walk into the dealership and I sat down with the salesperson. And I said, I want to buy this car with these optional extras and this is how much I expect to pay for it. And the shift of power from anyone who's previously bought a car before we had content marketing and great websites and video and independent reviews, if anyone's bought a car and sat there, the balance of power was it was all in the sales guy's hands. He knew all the features, the functions, the capability, the pricing. He knew what the discounts were that were available. He knew all of that and you knew nothing. And you sat there going, I'm going to get my pants pulled down. That's what's going to happen in this transaction. How much of that I'm prepared to take is up for grabs, but that's what's going to happen in this transaction. And content marketing has shifted that balance the other way so that it's in the buyer's hands. And genuinely, the more you guys can put out for your potential customers, and as Richard has said, it's not about writing the stuff that 
is popular with everyone all the time. It's about writing the pieces of material, putting out the videos or putting out the content because over time it will sit there and someone will find it and someone will call on it and you are the right guys. But guaranteed, if you don't produce any content, then that possibility isn't there. So it's all about giving. So again, I think like, oh, you know, go give a Bob Berg. I think Marcus Sheridan's, they ask you answer. These are great resources for you to, you know, learn from. Um, I will pop a link to that book in. Uh, and Richard's got a, a blog, of course, on recommended books for MSPs, which is in that list. So I'll pop that in the chat. I'll be quiet for a second, but I just wanted to frame that as to why and does it genuinely work and, and how in a kind of MSP context. <laughs> Richard, you, you, there's a question in there from Theo that says, are there tools or platforms that you would rate and recommend above others to create and manage content? You mentioned you wanted to go and dive a little yeah. bit deeper into that one. Let's talk about some other tools then. So we talk about like um, upgrading and things. So I'll talk, one of the, uh, dare I say a tool, it's not a tool, of course, but a superpower for MSPs is to understand and to start working with virtual assistants that we talked about. You know, my entire team here at Team Tub, some of them are on the call here today, throwing abuse and support. Uh, uh, my way but you can surround yourself with people who are awesome at what they do so podcast editing video editing copywriters uh, for blog post writing social media experts things like that uh, even designers to make the content look uh, awesome as well uh, so that is one tool or superpower that i'd recommend but in answer to your question theo some of the tools that we use internally so once you've got the content out there if nobody reads it that's okay because you still wrote it but it's better if somebody reads it, right? So you need to learn how to promote it. Social media, uh, email newsletters, those type of things to get it out there. So some of the tools that I'll throw out that you can take a look at that can really automate and help with this. So you'll need a social media dashboard because once you start having conversations and sharing stuff, people are going to start talking to you, Theo. So you want to have conversations with them back. The tool that we use is a tool called Agora Pulse. Uh, it's a social media dashboard. Really, really good. Alternatives in the market would be Hootsuite. Let's have a look. There's loads of others out there, but social media dashboard is something you want to get familiar with. Another tool, and I think most, most of us here probably use it, is uh, Buffer. So Buffer is a tool that enables you to trickle feed content out onto social media. So what you don't want to be doing, Theo, is writing a blog post and then writing 100 tweets about it or to go out in the same hour. People will just turn off from that but if you can do tweets and linkedin updates and things drip drip feed them out so much the better so buffer is a great tool that enables you to create a pool of content and drip feed it out there and a third tool that i'll, I'll give a shout out for a lot of people don't know about this one but it's uk built it's a tool called missing letter now missing letter you can connect it to your blog or your video channel or whatever it might be and it will go and it will look for new content that you create. And it will actually suggest here is some social media updates that we can trickle feed out about this. So you can put it on fully auto or you can go in and you can tweak those updates. But the point is here, Theo, you want tools that are going to enable you once the content's been produced to actually trickle feed that out onto the social media platforms. There's a whole argument about automation versus manual posting and stuff. We won't go in today. But, you know, when you're just getting started out there, be aware there are tools that can help you do this. Oh, 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 automation. <laughs> don't, don't dismiss automation. <laughs> no, I, I'm a massive fan of at least some basic automation with some of the social tools, because certainly with like the when you're getting started and the smaller MSPs. And actually, we were still using this as we were growing um, our business. 
is uh, we, so we use Meet Edgar, and I've used that for uh, God yeah. knows like ten years now or something. I think. And basically, the thing I love about Meet Edgar is you you create these these pots or categories. So you can create a category for your testimonial Tuesdays, your feedback Fridays, or your Monday morning meetings or whatever. What you, you can really divvy up your content, add in news articles, add in blog posts, whatever you whatever you want. And then you can obviously set dates and times when you want those those kind of content to be posted out across all your social channels because it integrates with pretty much everything. The thing I love is that with all of those and with quite a few tools now as well, you can um, set whether they are evergreen. So if you have a really busy week, like I used to have, was like if you have a really busy week or you have a, a week off, social media normally goes dead within that time because you just get tied up with everything. You know, you, you had your Monday morning set up to schedule your week's worth of content. Actually, you got a phone call, so you, you missed that. You didn't get a chance to do that. Me, Edgar, will just go back into your archives and go, oh, well, this is just a ton of stuff I can just grab and just recycle and just post it. Obviously, it, it gets the oldest stuff first, so it's not just sharing the same content over and over again. Um, but that's one massive benefit with using a tool like that. But also, it can integrate with websites and blog posts and like RSS feeds. So it can actually, you know, talk about posting to your website. You can automatically grab those blog posts, pull it into your social tools, put it straight into your like blog post category, and then post it out without you lifting a finger. And you can do that with things like podcasts. You can link it into WordPress websites. Um, we, we had an RSS feed going to just BBC Tech News. So whenever the, the technology news came out, we could then quite easily go into, we didn't have that also published because, I mean, a lot of stuff comes through <laughs> Tech News, but we'd at least have it go into a like a draft where we can go, yep, approve, approve, approve. And that would be a very, very quick and easy way just to schedule like a week's worth of content. And we'd have those content buckets set as like a one shot only because news is very timely. You don't want to kind of recycle that and repost it again six months later. So we just had a content bucket that was one shot. It would just share. And we had them had them drip fed fairly regularly throughout the day. So it wasn't waiting like a day or two days to post that news. It would be like we click on the button, say approve, and probably an hour or two later it will go out. So it's not just kind of stuck around. And, and also, lastly, without getting into it too much, Feedly, if you have an app called Feedly on your iPhone, we had it so you could, so I was just scrolling through and go, oh, okay, that's interesting. I could then bookmark something. And again, that would get pulled through and then pushed out to social media. But just by me using an app on my phone and bookmarking it, tapping once, and it goes out. So there are some very, very easy shortcuts to give you social content and keep your kind of presence out there without you actually being there and doing something. And like you say, sitting there and just creating like 30 tweets about one thing. You can just, I would just recommend book an hour a week, like your Monday morning or whatever it is, book an hour, sit down, add some things into that content kind of machine. And then every single week, you're growing that kind of library of things that it can recycle. So you're not trying to schedule a week's worth of content. You're just trying to add enough stuff. So you've got some new stuff, some old stuff. There'll be some news in there somewhere as well. And that gives you plenty of stuff to go, you know, certainly on the socials and Twitter and LinkedIn and that kind of stuff anyway. I said stuff a lot there. Should we should we talk briefly? Actually, about there's a, an important point that Pete made there, and it's about the the idea that you don't have to be creating all the content yourself. So we're talking about you know social media marketing, we're talking about content marketing, things like that. But there's a huge huge part of this which is content curation. Now, <laughs> you know the guys here have said you know I've got like five thousand odd blog posts been around forever. There's some people sick to death of hearing from Richard Tubb Shock. I know who would go grow tired of seeing this face but it's out there if you talk the point is if you talk about your own stuff again and again and again and again you, people are going to turn off now i'm speaking specifically to all the vendors in our space here i know some of them joining us today 
vendors often approach me and I do lots of advisory work with vendors and others. And they say, well, you know, we've got a mailing list of, say, 50,000, 100,000 or whatever, but we've got an open rate of uh, 1% or nobody comes to our events or nobody finds out about it. And Richard, if you put something out there on our behalf or talk about it, we get loads of responses. Why is that? And I said, well, you only talk about your stuff. So if an email comes in from XYZ vendor, you as MSPs, we as consumers immediately go, oh, they're trying to sell something to me. I'm going to turn off. And the whole point here is you've got to provide valuable content to earn the permission to talk about your own stuff. So content curation, Pete, is a huge part of this, isn't it? Because rather than just talking about your own stuff, you can go out there, look at BBC News, uh, The Guardian Tech Report, CNET, ZDNA, all these different things. If you find stories from other people that are of interest to your target market, you are curating like a librarian. You are bringing together all the best news from around the space that they're interested in and saying, hey, here's the stuff. Oh, and by the way, here's some of our stuff as well. So you mm-hmm. earn the permission to talk about your stuff if you curate from other people. So it's another reason, again, the, the reason I love this the topic of content marketing so much is there is zero downside to doing this, in my opinion. So even if you are curating content from other people and nobody reads it, you're feeding your own mind and you're keeping up to date on what's going on in the industry and the space, which is something all of us who run MSPs sometimes neglect, don't we? We're too busy doing the stuff to see what's coming around the corner. So I'll get off my soapbox about content curation, but thanks for bringing it up, Pete. No, uh, it's not a soapbox. In all honesty, that that is such an important thing for for people to pay attention to. What you said there, because about putting out content that's yeah, everyone knows most of the stuff you're doing is going to be a sales pitch to buy your services. Like if there's a quoting system, and and they're going to say, "Well, come and learn about the best ways to use a quoting system." You're going to sell me the quoting system at the end of it. MSPs do that constantly. They have, I say, all over LinkedIn, like the buyer's guides. Here's our guide on what you should be looking for in an MSP. Oh, by the way, they kind of make sure you point towards us and buy our services after. And it's okay to have some of that, but everyone sees through that. I can see through it. You can see through it. So I would do less of that and just focus on more what the clients need. And one one great request I had come through to for me for my course, and Nigel may well have some resources already, is like a, a disaster recovery and business continuity plan. Well, hey, if you can spend some time and yes, maybe a bit of money creating a business continuity plan or a template for your clients, give that away for free. Do a presentation on how you actually give that, how you actually fill that out and what do you need to cover? Like actually give them useful stuff that, yes, in some cases you might want to charge people for, but actually that's the stuff that's valuable. Valuable stuff isn't, here's how you can move your IT services to me. It's just not (laughs) at all. Give them something that they actually value, that they want to spend time reading, want to spend time watching or listening to, because that's the stuff that's... And going back to um, Theo's question there about what point does it become too much, it doesn't become too much as long as it's valuable to them. They will carry on listening, they will carry on watching, subscribing. And I think there's also a lot of um, purpose in, in reposting things, because certainly on social platforms, the same people won't see it every time you post it. So if you've got one thing, don't just tweet once about it or post once on LinkedIn redo it again 12 hours later or a week later because you just never know. And that's why, again, me, Edgar was so great at that because it just recycles it. Because the next time around, completely different audience will see it as well. What's the thing with Gary V in that, um, and like, he's obviously one of these prolific content marketers out in the world, putting out so many different pieces every day. And I think he starts with, he starts all of his content from one, or each time he, he splinters content, it starts with one big piece of content, which is normally a 
30 or a 40 minute video or a presentation or whatever he does. And then his team go and pull the whole lot apart into, I think he does out of one piece, they do something like 120 pieces out of one piece. Yeah. And that can be from tweets to, to blogs to whatever. And, and the thing with even that is that when you ask about overwhelming your audience, like how far, how much is too far? I don't feel like I get overwhelmed by Gary V because I'm still intentional about how I look through my things. And if I don't want to see his stuff for one day, I'll, I'll spot it and I'll skip past it. So I, I don't think most MSPs are ever going to be at risk of overwhelming. They're going to be at risk of underwhelming by, by far right. more than they're going to be on the opposite. No, if Gary Vee can't about- overwhelm most people, then most MSPs have got fat chance of doing it. When we talk about information overload, and this goes, you know, I, I spoke to an MSP yesterday and they were saying, oh, um, our vendor clients send us too much information. I was like, information overload, I, I don't understand how it happened. Well, I do understand how it happens or how it makes people feel, but it's down to choice, isn't it? I, I don't think anybody on the call here today has ever walked into their local library and gone, oh, my God, oh, my God, I don't know what I'm going to do. Because there's so many books. You walk in with a specific goal in mind, don't you? You're like, I want to read a book about this or I'm going to browse and pick a book. Of, like, So content curation is a similar thing to that, how we put content out and content consumption for us. If the content is of good quality, is of high quality, is personable, people are just going to consume and consume and consume until they don't. And then they'll move on to, to something else. But you'll still set yourself up. I want to give a shout out to the illustrious leader of the tech tribe here, Nigel Moore, because he doesn't realize he's doing this. But what's we'll to talk about publicly, people pay attention to what Nigel talks about because he is so personable at doing it. So he shares like what Nigel is up to. He shares what the team is up to, what his family is doing, all things that are because people are interested in people. Then on the rare occasion when he actually talks about the tech tribe or something that's, you know, important in the industry, people pay attention to it. So I, you probably know you're doing that subconsciously, uh, Nigel, but not at a conscious level. But you did it really, really well. Yeah. It's just like for me, a lot of any marketing out there is just building relationship with your audience. And building relationship with your audience means being transparent about what you do and showing a little bit behind the scenes and, and talking about why you do what you do and all of that sort of stuff as well. And so so we do a little bit of that. I'm, I'm not much, and we probably should be doing way more. But as Richard said, even a little bit can go a long way. I like every couple of weeks I go, Oh, maybe I should go make a post about this new thing we're working on or whatever it is. And you throw it out there and you get a couple of hundred likes or whatever. And you go, Oh, people do see this stuff out there and they do read it. And it, as I said, you don't have to do much of it. Cause I don't, we don't do anything really intentional about it. I'll just think about something off the cuff and go and throw it out there. And, um, and it just shows people, it kind of builds that relationship with people that you become like, there's, I can't tell you the number of times that I have conversations with people and it's the first time we've ever had com- had a conversation. Like we might have met at a meetup or at a conference or whatever at MSP. And you probably have this as well, Richard, and you will have it as well, Pete. You may have already where they go, oh, it is so weird talking to you in person because I've listened to you so much and I've <laughs> seen you so much. And, things. and it's just, and you go, huh, that's kind of weird to me because all we like, we don't see the other side of that. We're just creating our stuff. And, but I that's what it does. It goes and creates Share, this, share a story on that because um, people who follow my content have probably heard this story. Forgive me for being repetitious. But I was doing a speaking gig in uh, Las Vegas. And you know me. You know, that's for people watching Las Vegas. Yeah, normally I'm in like Warrington, Liverpool, Manchester. <laughs> Las Vegas. But anyway, and it was an event. And uh, I got into the lift uh, afterwards and there was a, a guy a, like, six foot five and six foot five wide uh, American guy in the uh, lift. And he was sort of looking at me and looking at me. And then he finally got the courage and he was like, Richard. I was like, yeah. And he came across, <laughs> shook my hand and then hugged me. 
And <laughs> now I'm a hugger, so I don't mind that pre-COVID and everything. But I was like, oh, excuse forgive me, my memory's really bad. Where do we know one another from? And he was like, oh, no, we've never met, but I've read your blog for years. And so I say that because it's a funny story, but it also shows how people can get to know you through the content. People say they hear your voice, you know, they, they already feel as though they know you from the content. Granted, I've been doing this a long time. Most of us here have. But the best time to start is today because this is like compound interest. It's building up year after year after year, building up your uh, expertise. So thank you for indulging me, letting me share that story. You did that in your MSP as well, though, right? You used to do your content of your, your YouTube channel with your MSP, and you used to then go to events, and people would know exactly who you were at just local business events out there just because you had the, the YouTube thing. So, so you saw that. So bizarre and awkward, isn't it, when they know everything yeah. about you and you know nothing about them? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> weird conversations but it just shows that it works and it's and it's not by doing a lot of it like none of none of us have done apart from richard and his blogs but none of us have done bucket loads of it like we just do little bits here and there and it just goes to show how far a little bit goes a long way something i just want to touch on briefly because richard touched on it there with like not getting overwhelmed with the the content that you're putting out i think something to focus on there is making sure that people can unsubscribe or, or you know unfollow or whatever just from those areas because things with like email marketing is an easy one like you should have those kind of lists split up so you have say your marketing list you've got your customers list you've got your you know break your content up into those kind of little buckets youtube's quite common for people doing and with podcasts they'll have like the big long form content which is like the hour-long podcast and then they'll have a separate channel for like the 30 second or one minute clips because someone that sat there and watched an hour-long video of it is not going to then want their whole feed filled up with like these 30 second clips the next week before the next one because they've seen it all already. Um, so just giving the people the option to not see all of the spammy stuff that they see as spam because they've already seen it elsewhere. I think that's worth just touching on uh, briefly. And also with email marketing systems, make sure you have a system where unsubscribe doesn't unsubscribe you from everything. It just unsubscribes you from the one thing that they've unsubscribed from because that's quite a common thing that I run into when I was looking for CRM systems. Well, we've Great got a cool next question in from Billy as well. So Billy has asked, how do you choose where to place your content on the scale of techie detail? I'll kick this off. I, I've got a couple of thoughts because I think it depends who you are aiming at as your, as your buyer, I guess. Because when you think about that content, you think about who you're putting it out for. My gut feel is that if you're aiming at the SMB side of, of you know customers and you want to attract small businesses, you're aiming to attract the, the main business decision maker, the guy who holds the purse strings or the guy who's in charge or the lady who's in charge. Sorry, let's 2022, get with the program. They got it. Whoever it is that you're trying to attract through the content is what's most important. So if you're thinking about SMB, I would be aiming at solving business challenges. So your entire content would be around solving business challenges that happens to use technology. That is the guidance, okay? Because we want them to think, that you understand them, you understand their business, you understand their challenges, and you've got an answer for those challenges. And hey, it happens to come at a great price too. We're not really bothered about price. We're on about solving their day-to-day -day challenges. If you're stepping up a notch and you're dealing with those larger businesses, the corporates, the enterprises, and they've got IT teams, and they've got strong IT teams, but there's still something that you guys are awesome at that you've got a specialist you know, skill at, then you want to really start putting that technical detail out there. Because again, those techies are going to be really interested to see, especially if you put out you know, an answer to a problem. Like we just did a video recently about like some bit tight and migration errors that you get. And like, like we just did, here are the four most common reasons why you're getting that error because it's a real pain in the bum to figure out. 
and people have just come back and oh my god that's amazing thank you you've saved me hours because i, I, I just can't figure it out but because then you put that tech and that's real nerdy techie content right it's this is the button you press this is the thing this is what you're doing in powershell but because it hits a certain audience inside techies they then go oh do you know what if we get stuck with this you guys are the guys for me so Billy, I would say think about who your audience is. And if it's SMB, then I would definitely go around the path of less technical, more business problem solving through the use of technology. But if you want to attract those bigger clients and the bigger IT teams to partner up with, then definitely get some techie detail in there. And the other thing I would say is it doesn't have to be one size fits all. There's nothing wrong with you doing like three pieces of content on business and a piece of content that's super techie. And then roll through that way. Because as we've said, you know, Praveen made a great point earlier. Only 20% of people are going to see your content at any one time anyway. You're building up a stack of libraries. And especially when it's blog content or video content, it's all very searchable. So someone's going to find that piece like a year down the line. And I, I, I can tell you this from a video we made over a year ago where I did a 30-minute piece on here's how much it actually costs to run Teams Enterprise Voice. Okay, and I went through every single option, how many pounds, how many pence, this option, that option. And it was the most boring, dry 30-minute video you've ever seen. But a year later, someone comes on and goes, I'm a big organization. You clearly know this stuff better than we do. Can we partner up, please, so that you can help guide our migration to Teams Enterprise Voice? And that turned into like a 50,000-pound order for us. Just because we put out one really, really dry piece of content that maybe only 400 people have watched – but one person went, I, I get it. That's absolutely for me. So I, I would say there's, there's definitely a, a range for you to have. And don't be too shy. I think you know, Neo, uh, Theo put this point out earlier. When does it become too much for the audience? I don't think we as MSPs can generate too much content. I don't think that's possible because we don't have the time with everything else that we're doing. We don't have the time to make too much content. So keep making it, keep putting it out there. And it, it might not land day one. But six months down the line, you know, the compound effect of people seeing you, hearing you, seeing you as a trusted resource in the community, it's going to keep compounding until the point where they need something and you're the guys. They're just going to come to you because you are the guys for this. Absolutely. Richard, Richard you have to talk about giving away too much, the concept of giving away, yeah. where, do you, where do you draw the line between giving stuff away? And just before I... I I'd hand over to you. I, one of the frameworks that I learned, Billy, when you're trying to figure out how much technical detail to give away is there's a, a teaching framework called the format teaching method, number four, MAT. And, it, and it's whenever you're teaching some sort of concept to someone through any sort of education, lots of teachers use it. They go through a flow of why, what, how, now. And, and so whenever they're, they're teaching on a particular concept, they'll start off with why do we need to know about this concept? And then what is it all about? And then how do we actually do it? And lots of people will talk about with your content marketing, never getting to the how, but just teaching the why and the what, just talking about the why and the what of something. And to make that tangible, it might be something like dealing with how Teams uses calendars or something and coming up with something about, hey, in a business, you can you can do this with a calendar that's going to save this amount of pain and fix up this challenge that most businesses have and blah, blah, blah. But you don't get into the step-by-step -step things on how to do it. The last call to action in the article would just be a link to say, hey, if you'd like help doing something like this that will solve all these pain points or whatever, then come and speak to us. And so if you're... One, one way that, that I like is just that why, what, how, now, and just focus on just the why and the what part of it and figure those out. But sorry, Richard, um, you wanted to dive a little bit into the, the giving away too much side of things and where do you draw the line of, yeah. of giving away? So one of the questions that comes up frequently when this, this whole uh, topic, especially, Billy, when it comes to writing technical articles, 
And we've just shared in the chat here, just to show you how these things can work. I wrote a blog post, it's probably 15 years ago, how to fix the error, the ACP, I can't even pronounce it, the ACPI BIOS in the system is not fully compliant. It was about Windows 2000. And this week, it's still got 2,000 odd hits on my blog. There's still people there saying thank you for that. So never underestimate, you know, the stuff. The other point I want to make about writing techie uh, blog posts, uh, and, and Billy, and for anybody else who's watching this who's got technicians, MSPs often complain, don't they, that their engineers don't take the time to document things. If you can build a culture of people, not just you as a business owner, but people within your business writing blog posts, it becomes a really, really good knowledge base. And that then knocks on to your IT glue and everything else that you use for documentation. Because people get into the mentality of instead of keeping information up there, documenting it somehow. So that's another brilliant side note, I would say, of content marketing. But when it comes to people saying, well, how much is too much content and how much should I give away? I'm of the firm view here that if you share content online, even if you tell people to Nigel's point, you know, uh, um, why you need to do things, but how to do it, uh, some MSPs have said, well, if I blog or if I do videos about this, people aren't going to want to work with me because I've given them the answer. I don't agree with that at all. The people who are going to work with you are going to work with you anyway. They're going to look at you describing how to do something, and they're going to say, oh, well, this guy or this girl clearly knows how to do it. I don't want to do that, but I I'm going to hire them to do it anyway. The people who watch it and go, right, great, I don't need to hire these people, we're never going to hire you anyway. And there's loads of people out there. Every single day I do a search in YouTube how to do this, that, or the other. doesn't mean I'm going to pick up the phone and hire these people. I just want an answer. But there's lots of people who will look for the content and go, this person knows what they're talking about. Let's bring them in to do that work, even though you've written a recipe out for them how to do it. So don't ever be afraid of giving away too much content because all it does is build trust, uh, uh, demonstrate your authority, and encourages more people to work with you. People who weren't going to pay you for that were never going to pay you anyway, if that makes sense. I had a mirrored example of that with a talking to a um, cybersecurity consultant, and this is in the days where Cyber Essentials was quite new and coming out. And I was just like, look, just create some content, create a video, whatever it is, just how do you fill out this Lemon Cyber Essentials questionnaire, all the questions in it. How do you answer all the questions? Where where are the lines drawn between like what's an acceptable answer and what's what's going to fail you? Explain that. And they're like, well, I don't want to do that. That's going to, uh, no one's going to buy from me because I've just basically told them how to do it. Exactly what you said. Actually put the content out. People that will buy from you will want to buy from you because they haven't got the time. And actually, if, if people keep coming back to you, because much like with your blog posts, oh, there's another blog post from Richard. Oh, there's another one. Oh, there's bloody another one. God's sake. But actually over time, they'll get to realize that actually Richard knows what he's talking about. So if I do need something and I'm probably going to come towards Richard because he's already helped me out with so much other stuff that I'm going to come back. And that's definitely something to focus on with you know, MSP marketing, put all of the content out of the BS helpful as you can do so that by the time someone does need something and they don't want to, you know, just go and find out how to do it for free, you'll be the first one on their list because you've already helped them out. You've already got those kudos points with them. Agreed. There's a perfect example in the comments section of that blog post you just shared, Richard. Oh, and that's why I was laughing a little bit then. As you wrote this blog post, what, 10, 15 years ago, you said? Maybe some, 20, yeah. 20 years ago. And in 2018, so only three years ago, someone's literal reply as I tried to push the ISO XP using out-of-band management steps and I got error, blah, 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 and my gateway is ECS 9210700. I've tried with like super technical, can you help? <laughs> so they're asking you like 15, 16 years. <laughs> afterwards for help already and um, i don't even remember writing that blog post i've got to say by the way but it's one of, one of the ones that people 
like leave comments all the time on the blog saying thanks for this this solved the problem i'm like with windows 2000 yeah <laughs> but there you go this person was talking about windows xp in 2018 so i have no I idea what they're doing but they're obviously an enterprise they still haven't got in they work in a bank somewhere anyway um scott you just put in here there's a good question from chris too he yeah, says do you re- recommend tools which can help make content look and feel polished subconsciously this reflects the quality of your work and I, i'm a thousand percent agree with that in that and there's actual like that when i say i'm a thousand percent in agreement with that that's because my brand is about like we, we try to have a pretty good shine on our quality out there but the reality is when you actually go and test quality of things you find that lower quality content actually converts a lot of the time more than higher quality stuff but i'm one of these guys that and like most people that i don't like putting my name against low quality stuff out there so i'm i'm happy to have lower conversions but know that I've got higher quality stuff out there. But in terms of some tools out there, Chris, I, there's a service in the UK that you might know of, Richard, that's, um, that's, that grabs content and um, like it can grab a, that, that kind of big article content and then goes and syndicates it all up into smaller things at a really high quality level. Do you remember, is that, that Amy yeah, from no, Content 10X or something? Or? Content 10X. So yeah, there's, there's two ways, Chris, that I would recommend doing this. The first one is you can find tools out there will we'll do stuff. So Missing Letter that I mentioned earlier, which is a UK tool will grab your stuff. Uh, so just a plain blog post, even if you've not got any polish to it, when it goes out on social media, it will put images and all sorts of uh, funky stuff there to make it look really good. So that's the first thing. There are tools out there, and there are others, and perhaps Scott and Pete can recommend some that do that. But the other tool, as I mentioned earlier, a tool is the wrong way to describe it, but getting other people to do it. So, Chris, if you are like me uh, and you're good at getting ideas out of your head into a very rough draft or whatever, surround yourself with VAs, with people who can do that for you. So I can tell you for a fact that, you know, if we rewind and you can go and have a look on the Wayback Machine, go and have a look at my website, Tublog, from, say, eight years ago. It was god-awful ugly. Yeah, and it, yeah, despite that, the content, the value was there for people, so people kept visiting it. But I hired a wonderful lady who's part of my team now, Claire Jenks, who who does design and branding for for, um, MSPs. Uh, She came in. She did the branding for the the website and for all the blog posts and everything else. And um, it just looked so much better, and it gave me more confidence uh, to put that content out. So I totally understand where you're coming from, Chris. But, yeah, just, you know, seek out people who can help you do that polish. Don't – done is better – than perfection isn't it getting it out there even if in the rough form is way better because at the end of the day people aren't worried about the polish people are worried about the value that you provide now the polish is nice to have i agree but surround yourself with people who can do that for you do not let it put you off from getting started and getting yeah. the work out the, the other I think, well, I think, oh, sorry, three of us are going at once <laughs> I'll, I'll be really quick the other tool that i'll just throw into the mix that's that's can help you get really high quality content out really quickly is canva uh, it, it's got an amazing amount of templates and all sorts of stuff in there that if you do really need to do it yourself for whatever reason, maybe you don't have the, the, the budget to start with a VA yet or whatever, just get Canva, get a free Canva account. You can knock out social media posts and cards and images and everything literally in 30 to 60 seconds on them. They're so, so, so simple. So another tool to have a, a check of. Scott or Pete, one of you guys were, wanted to time in them as, as well. I was going to say about the just the polish side of things that I'm – I've always been a big fan of if you're going to do something, then do it as like best as you can. Because, yeah, I I also agree. It's contradictory. I also agree just get it Mm -hmm. out there. But I also agree if you're going to do it, then do it as best as you can. But there's there's that certain tipping point where it's just not worth the extra hassle of like that final perfectionism. I remember um, discussions with our guys about 
was it a logo or there was some content we were putting out and the, the colors weren't the exact colors that should have been our, our logo colors. And I was just like, sod it, post it. Like it's, uh, it's off my radar now. I'm, I've moved on to the next thing. But they're like, no, no, it needs to be, it needs to be the right thing. So like, I don't care. Like I'd rather get it out there. And then I think it was, uh, oh, it was our, our uniform. We had like branded shirts and they, they couldn't get the exact match to the color. And I went with the one that was apparently the wrong one. Uh, so it was just things like that. It was like, it doesn't matter. Like people aren't going to care. They're not going to notice it. So I think that when you are doing things, um, put some effort in. Because the, the way I always saw it is that if someone's going to buy their IT services from me or from my company, then what we're doing, like the marketing stuff we're putting out, all the content, the website should look like we put some effort into it. So rather than like the, the newsletters, don't just print it off on the office laser jet, staple the corners in an envelope, like bulk send them all. Just don't do that. Make it look like you put some effort in. Do them in full color. Print them on nice quality paper. You know, that little bit of extra effort does have a huge impact on what what they perceive you as, as you know, when they're reading content or, or digest, digesting it. So yeah, very contradictory. I, I'm still a big believer of just getting it out there, but I think lots of people get stuck at the, it needs to be absolutely perfect and I'm never happy with it at stage. There's got to be I'm a fine kind of here, line like, between that. I can that. see Nigel get, doing this. Like, <laughs> it's got to be perfect. And I'm looking in the chat. No, no, no. I'm agreeing. I'm joining us. I'm like, no, Pete, you've got to do it perfectly. No, I'm, I'm agreeing 100% because I think, Pete, you and I probably went on a very similar journey that we started off. And all four of us probably went on a similar journey that we started off being so perfectionist that every pixel had to be perfect. And, and I think all of us go through that journey where, Years later, you realize, holy crap, like the level of stuff that I'm letting get out now is nowhere near what it used to be um, compared to what I've got out there. But it's that whole done is better than perfect. And it's still the stuff that we're getting out now is still high quality. I was just going for stupid quality before. And stupid quality is what you don't want to do. You want to go for high quality. And high quality, the difference between high quality and stupid quality is huge. There's a massive gap. Like it's, it's, you won't, your end users won't notice a difference, but you will spend so many hours trying to go from high to stupid. Don't, do that last step anymore like we did for many or like i did for many many years just as you would know you'd, you'd sit on a website on a page on a website trying to get a, an element to line up to another element for four hours to line this bloody thing up that no one will ever <laughs> ever ever not become a client of yours because of it but for some reason you feel it's got to happen and we all just go through that journey where we get to the point where you're going now like pete and i and all of us now are similar and we let lots of stuff go out now because it's it's enough it is good enough it's high quality it's good enough it's not perfect to the perfect most perfect degree out there but it's really good enough to get out there but nigel there's not enough breathing space around the logo the logo <laughs> needs breathing space i've probably had that conversation you, in the last week with my team yeah, <laughs> yeah. you you have a hard stop right now or are you still good I, to go i did but one I, last I, question. yeah no i was I, I'm, I'm around i'm okay the good we've got one last time. question that i love that came in from laura this might be my favorite question today so Laura says, what do we think about how important it is to level up the creative part of content marketing in the IT world and entertainment and originality? How big Ooh. is that part? Now, for me, I have to say, we're in IT, right? It, it ain't glamorous and it really isn't very interesting. So all we've got is personality. I mean, look at Pete's hair. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had that, right? But this is the whole thing. We've got, we've got to stand out in some way. Otherwise, we all look the same, me and Richard. We go into a room of IT guys and we get on the, the videos and we all look the same. Oh, look, it's a middle-aged white guy. Yay. I genuinely think you've got to put so much personality into that content because, again, if I think back to all those vendor presentations that I've had, 
right? And I remember this sitting in the dusty boardroom and the vendor trolls in and they get on the slide deck and I'm, please don't, oh, please don't yeah. do it. Well, you see, IBM was founded 55 years ago with a passion to, oh my, no, don't do it. And then they'll tell you the life story of the company. Nobody mm -hmm. cares. Nobody cares. What I want to know is how is whatever you've got here going to help me with my challenges? And so I just think the best way that we can think about what our, our consumers want and how we put that across in an interesting way is really, really vital because this is not a sexy industry. It's, it's IT, but we can genuinely help people. And I think when people see your passion and enthusiasm and character that comes along with this stuff, that's what makes it interesting. Pete, you are, oh, I forget the name, the lady that does smooth accounting. Jerry. Jerry? Jerry. So again, accounting. Oh my God, that's not a very interesting subject. My wife's an accountant, so I can get away with saying this. Like an IT guy married to an accountant. Two of the most boring people in the world. <laughs> <laughs> All you need is a lawyer and you'll really spice things up. What, what do but, your kids do? Should we? <laughs> oh yeah, this is it. The kids will be a lawyer and a doctor. Um <laughs> But Jerry's put a great face on accounting and has made a real personality in her social media. And that is really attractive in bringing clients to work with her. And I think it's really important that we just put a great face on this. We put a great load of personality into it and we make a big effort to just stand out. And I think there's so many people in our space that just won't bother. They won't try or they'll just get it completely wrong. How many corporate IT videos have we seen that start off with stock footage of those clocks whirling around in London and a plane taking off and some dramatic music that's building to a point? And look, there are words on the screen. We're all bored. <laughs> we're, we're all bored by now. Get, give me some real people, okay? I want to see real people in this content. And so I just think, what have you got there? There's... Your next book, Richard, your next oh, book that, is going to be called Content Marketing. Yeah, let's talk about it anyway. For serious <laughs> Now that it's public, industries. he's got to have a deadline to get it out there. Yeah, okay, let's hold me publicly accountable for yeah. this one because I, I did a, an interview, and we're talking about uh, content upgrading here. Remember a concept we talked about earlier? So I did an interview a couple of years ago with a great friend of mine uh, called Pascal Fintoni, who's uh, well-known in the northeast of England uh, as a marketeer helping small businesses. And we did an interview around how do you make content interesting in a boring industry like IT? Because people say, oh, well, I couldn't blog, I couldn't do videos. It's all boring. It's all geeky. So I actually put a book together, upg an upgrade from that interview that we did. So we actually took that, we've repurposed it. And uh, we're near the end of completing a book called, uh, my next book is called Content Marketing for Boring Industries. So it's a bit tongue in cheek, but it's basically, here's how you can put content out. Because whilst you might think it's boring, as we've seen with my ACPI BIOS blog post earlier on, <laughs> there are people out there who love this stuff. Like, you know, there's, what's boring to you may not be boring to another person, and you're the expert at it. And to, to Scott's point, there are ways that you can put the content out and make it fun and, you know, have some fun with it. Laura Perman, who was the lady who asked the question earlier, I've been really blessed because Laura was the lady who did my headshot photos with me. And I came to her and I said, hey, Laura, I need some new photos done that are not just stock footage like all of those things that you see on LinkedIn. Laura asked me what I was into in terms of like geekiness. And so I'm into comic books, Doctor Who, Star Wars, all that sort of geeky stuff. So if you have a look at any of my photographs now, 
they're all around my personality. They're all around comic books and things of that nature. So get yourself a good headshot photographer, show your personality, and then start to involve that in the content that you're putting out there. Have some fun with it. I'm in awe of these three guys who are joining us here today because I would say their brands are all about their personality. You know them above anybody else in this industry because of who they are and what they stand for and what they talk about. And none of them are particularly serious with what they talk about, are they? Yet they give you the information. So, uh, yeah, put some personality into it. I think there was something that I I saw or read or was taught uh, quite a while ago is that whatever business you're running, you should think of yourselves as like a media and marketing company first and then whatever business you are second because your job is to entertain people, to get people to engage, to get people to you know love what you're talking about and doing. So my question to Scott is, why did you stop the Chicken Wins Challenge? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't stopped. I genuinely haven't stopped. And I would love to make sure, and I'll, I'll, I'll ask him right now, Richard, would you love to come and do one of our chicken wings challenges? Because I'm sure you said yes. We just I'm need so to get excited. a date in the diet. You had me at chicken wings. I was like, I hope yeah. he asks me to come on publicly so I can commit to no, it. Yeah. We're, we're going to do it. We're going to do it, Pete. I haven't stopped. We just, new office, new space, yeah, apparently a business to run, but no, it, it hasn't stopped. No. So it's definitely chicken wings. Good <laughs> Context, what is the chicken wing challenge? hot spicy chicken wings basically we'll do a lovely interview with richard about his career and everything he does whilst we eat whilst a series of hotter and hotter and hotter spicy chicken wings <laughs> and the beauty of this is that i know richard doesn't do spice um but yeah i i mean we are we're heading towards the end of, of time today but yeah it, it's definitely coming back pete and i love i loved that first one that we did with you it was amazing just a quick shout out to you again, just thinking about boring industries and uh, great content. So if I think of learning a different language, everyone's seen that Rosetta Stone. Oh, Rosetta Stone, perhaps you'd like to learn a foreign language. Here's an interesting set of CDs we might send you. <laughs> oh. But Duolingo, who uh, the little app that you get on your phone, which is a great little app. I, it is. It's not an affiliate. You can buy it if you like. Um, but their TikTok is absolutely incredible it's the funniest thing i've seen in a long time and they're selling language translation software and basically you see the little duolingo um character and he just keeps getting mixed up or invested in duolipa's songs <laughs> it's hilarious <laughs> genuinely go and check it out theo theo says where do you sign up for chicken wings theo you just oh, did you you just started something. <laughs> you just did. That's dangerous. Hit me up. If, if you want to do the hot spicy chicken wins challenge, I'm, I'm up for this. Um, yeah, I'll shut up. Sorry, I'm rambling. Sorry. We need to, next week episode is the live chicken wing eating contest. <laughs> We're not going to be talking about content marketing or MSP stuff at all. We're going to see Richard and Theo sweating on air, hopefully. We are at time, though. We've got to wrap up. Pete? Are you going to do the dirty deed and tell people yeah. all the things? Yeah. Absolutely happy to. Thank you very much for joining us, everybody. Thanks to all of those who uh, dropped comments and questions and uh, engaged with us today. Really appreciate you. Don't forget to subscribe underneath Richard. Um, there should be a button down there somewhere. Also have a look at the podcast on all of your favorite platforms. Use the link if you're not already. I'm surprised nobody signed up yet through the link, so I'm not sure if that's true or not, but use the link for the text. I haven't actually looked. It was the problem. <laughs> <laughs> I probably have. I just haven't looked. If you're not a member, down below, it's like half price for the first month. It's like $20 or something. It's insane for the value you get. So um, check that out. But with that said, I think that's everything. 
Catch us all at the same time, same place next week. Uh, please do engage, send your comments, questions, whatever you need. And we'll look forward to catching up again next time. Mm-hmm.